Thank you for tuning in. My prayer is that this message is going to be an encouragement to you personally and will cause great growth in your life. It's time to live and it's time to take this next step forward. God bless you as you listen. You guys ready for God's word? All right, let's jump right in. I want you guys to have a seat. Get your Bibles out or your Bible app. Now, if you do not have a Bible app, you're going to need one, all right? If you don't have a Bible app, you just go to your little app store or the, what, Google Fun Store? Is that what it's called? Play, Play Store. Why do they call it Play? You know, but I don't know. But, it, it's, but go there and get it. It's just called the Bible app. It's real simple, and it's a free app, so you just get it, and you read your Bible, and it kind of works. But... I need for you to get your Bibles out and get your notes. Get ready to jot down a few things tonight because I really believe God's going to speak to your heart. I'm going to talk tonight about how wonderful it is that Jesus left this earth. It's really good that he left this earth. The scriptures tell us that Jesus said, hey, this is a good thing that I'm leaving because I'm going to give my Holy Spirit and then all the stuff that I've been doing, everybody gets to do. <laughs> wow. Wow. He says, the works that you've seen me do, greater works you're going to do. Yeah. All right, let, let's talk about how that works. I, I want you to explain how this works. So let's, uh, let's dive in because tonight we're going to be talking about gifts of, uh, I'm going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going to talk about miracles, healing, and breaking bondage. So I need you to find two places in your Bibles, and please understand that at City Life Night, I have a tradition. I don't like to put everything on the screens. I know that's hard. But I'm going to force you to think, because I really want you to use your Bibles and use your notes, all right? 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 is where we're going to start. 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read through some passages there, and then we're going to flip over to James chapter 5, verse 14. So if you write both of those down, we'll be going to both of those in that order. James, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 is where we're going to start. Now, uh, First of all, it would be good to, for me just to know about different traditions because we all have different traditions, uh, uh, you know, according to our faith and, and what's, you know, what, what's in our faith background. So how many of you guys, just be bold, just, this morning we talked about, you know, your past and your future, so it's okay, talk about your past. How many of you have a Catholic tradition? Raise your hand, raise it high, that's good. Look at those good Catholics, all right, that's right, yeah. Yeah, I had a good Catholic friend in, in, in high school taught me how to do the, like the cross sign. I still can't do it, but yeah, yeah. I'm okay, Catholic. And how many of you, your traditional mainline Protestant tradition, which would be like uh, Methodist, Episcopal, Lutheran, those, how many of you say that? That's my background. Oh, yeah, you, you guys have got it, all right? That is your background. You, you know that. How many of you, you would say your background is more like a fundamentalist tradition? Now, that would be more like Baptist or Bible church. Raise your hand, all you, you Baptist Bible church people. That's it, that's it, good, good. So, you know, we're expanding the circle here. How many of your background would be charismatic or Pentecostal tradition? All right, yeah, of course, they always scream. They're always the loudest, yeah. <laughs> okay, how many, of you, how many of you would just be really honest and say, none of the above is my tradition. Uh, I'm, I'm like uh, really like some, some non-Christian, total non-Christian religion, or I'm just a flat, I was just a my background is flat out pagan. I mean, you just be honest. How many, how many of you would say, say, yeah, that, that, that's my background. Okay, good, 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 good. Yes, good, good. All right, good. Thank you. We welcome the pagans tonight. All right. <laughs> you know what, though? I see value and strength from all of those expressions of Christianity. I, I really do. I do. 
and it's and I've loved studying as a student of religion. I've just loved studying it and getting into it. But my tradition is Pentecostal, charismatic. Uh, the way I was raised is we had a heavy emphasis on the supernatural, and and that's just part of my life. And I I, I believe it. I believed it all. Yet 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 also in my tradition we did some things that were not so good. Uh, we we kind of looked down on other expressions of Christianity. Basically, just any other expression of Christianity. We're like, well, we're better than you. And the, the thing and the primary thing that we we would kind of do, I'm embarrassed, but let's just tell the truth. Let's just get it all out here, all right? Is is we I would we would kind of talk down about them because they would just embrace this the grace of God wholeheartedly, you know? And I was like, who do they think they are? They, they think they're like, don't they know if they sin they're going straight to hell? And, and 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 the truth is though, I'm grateful to God that I finally discovered the reality of grace because the truth is I was sending myself to hell every day. I I, I just was. And the thing is you, you break the spin, you go over the speed limit one mile per hour. If you were to die, you were going straight to hell. That's just the way it works. And I mean, you guys know exactly. Come on, you, you, some of you Pentecostals, you know, you know that's the truth. And if you should, if, if when you're, when you're in getting into your wreck where you were driving one mile per hour over the speed limit, you cuss when you're getting into your wreck. Oh, that's double sin. You are going straight to double hell, right? Okay. Yeah, that, that's, that's my background. But, but one of the things that I believe and that we believe as, as a church here is we do believe in the power of God to intervene in our lives. We believe in miracles, as we sang earlier, and we believe that God speaks directly to us through a variety of means. We really believe that. So again, it's good that Jesus is gone. He, first of all, he's preparing us a place in heaven. I'm happy for that. But the second, he sent his Holy Spirit to live in us so that all the things that he did actually get to work through us. Now, how in the world does that work? Well, I'm glad you're asking because I'm going to talk about that tonight. Um, Really, the stories of how God heals and speaks to people and intervenes in lives and and works miracles, we see those stories in the Old Testament and the New Testament. They're really all through the Bible from the very beginning through the very end. I mean, God is a supernatural God. And so you got to think about this. If that supernatural God comes to live inside of you, the supernatural God is inside of you, right? Absolutely. And, And God partners with people to do those things so that God will speak through people, but it'll be God speaking, and God, God will minister healing through people. God will work miracles through people, and, and that's just part of the amazing way that God works, but not any one person gets to do it all. That's the beauty of it, which means, uh, means that we all got to huddle together because the more of us that get together that experience this that live this, the more, the, the greater really the explosion of God's presence can be. Now look in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse one. Because I'm gonna start off with verse one. Paul, is, this is Paul, he, he planted this church, this is a church in Corinth in ancient Greece, and he's writing this letter to them to, and, and part of the reason he's writing this letter to them is because they were really, really, really into spiritual gifts, but they were like going off the deep end. They were, they were doing a lot of weird, goofy stuff, and, and so he sends them this, this corrective letter to help them to, to, uh, to learn a little bit more about spiritual gifts, but it's great for us today. Thank God it's preserved through time. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, tonight I'm reading from the New International Version. Get ready to take some notes. Verse 1 says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you you to be uninformed. So it's God's desire. So we see God is speaking now through Paul to say, 
He doesn't want his people, he doesn't want you to be uninformed. Therefore, he gives us this teaching. He says there are different kinds of gifts, different kinds. Now, I believe that Jesus had everything working in him, all of these gifts working in him, but again, no one individual has everything working through them. But he says there are different kinds of gifts, but it's the same spirit that distributes them. Now, look down at verse seven, because I wanna pick up on, on, on the, the teaching about the different types, okay? Verse seven, he says, now, to each one, the manifestation is given for the common good. Two things in that scripture I want you to pull out. To each one, he doesn't say everyone. Does everyone get spiritual, get, get uh, the gifts of the spirit? No, but there's a reason why, and you're gonna find out later. I'll just give you the answer now. It's because you're not asking for it. That's it, that's it, that's it. Because a lot of people won't and don't ask for those gifts, and they don't desire them. So you don't get them, you know? Like when, when, when my kids desired a PlayStation, you know, I, I didn't always want to get it to them, but eventually we would find a way and we ended up having a PlayStation in the house, you know? All right. Each one. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. That means it's for the good of everybody. It's not just for your own good. None of the gifts of the Spirit are for your own good. They are for the good of other people. See, this again is how God works. This is the power of the church. This is why we cluster together. Verse eight, he says, to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Say message of wisdom. Now, I want you to write, if you're taking notes, you're gonna write down the nine gifts of the Spirit real quick. The first one is commonly called, it says here, message of wisdom, it's typically called word of wisdom. So you can write that one down. Gift of the Spirit, number one, is word of wisdom. This is where God speaks through you. God actually speaks through you, and he shows his mind, or what he's thinking about a specific uh, uh, situation or a purpose or something like that. It's a word of wisdom, it, and it's, it's miraculous. It's from God. It's not your own brain. It's not your own anything you've concocted on your own, all right? And so this is a gift that you can ask God for. Here's a second one. It says another one is the message of knowledge, and we call that quite often the word of knowledge. So that's gift number two. Gift number two is the word of knowledge, so the first one is the word of wisdom, but the second one is a word of knowledge. Now, word of knowledge is, is this miraculous, it's, it's like a revelation, again, it all comes from God, of information that pertains to a person or an event uh, regarding maybe a particular need or, or something of that nature. Uh, for, for example, I'll never forget, there's a person who operated in the gift of the word of knowledge who, who came to my house one time with groceries, but it was the exact stuff that had been like on our grocery list. And it was like, it, it wasn't weird, it was, it was supernatural because we needed the groceries. We didn't have the money for the groceries and it was the kind of stuff we wanted. That, that we, we'd even wanted, but we couldn't even buy it if we, you know, we didn't have the money to buy those cool things. And, uh, but that's word of knowledge. And, but see, God will take care of you. God speaks through. God will address things like that. All right, so, so there's the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge. Look at verse nine. <clears throat> he says, and to another, to another person, see, faith by the same spirit. So faith, faith is the third gift of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> that I'm talking about today. Now, this is not just the faith, because we say we all need faith. We all do. But this is a high, high level of faith. This is a high level of faith where you just believe beyond the shadow of a doubt God is going to work and there's nothing that's gonna stop the power of God. But it's this super high level of faith and you can ask God for that and God will give that to you. Okay, here's the next one. Uh, it says, and to another, and to like another person, gifts of healing by that one spirit. 
So gifts of spirit, gifts of, of healing is the fourth of the gifts of the spirit. And this is basically a supernatural power to heal. Now we can all pray for people to be healed and I believe God, God hears those prayers. But there is some people will have the gift of healing where they, they will pray for you and, and you just get healed. Uh, and so, so that's another one of those miraculous gifts that God uses. Look at verse 10. Isn't this crazy? This is wonderful what God's done for us. And he's put these gifts all out in the body. And he said, you know what? If you're gonna be healthy, you gotta get together. You gotta have some gifts of the spirit working and then look out, kabam, I'm gonna take care of you. <laughs> look at verse 10. He says, and to another, miraculous powers. Now, miraculous powers, we, we typically call this, uh, this is this next uh, gift of the spirit, we call it the working of miracles, working of miracles. So that's the fifth. And this is the working of miracles. It's, it's not necessarily healing. We tend to think of healing as, as miracles. And yeah, it is. But this is a little different. The working of miracles is a supernatural power that supersedes natural law. So it's very, very broad. But it, it, it supersedes this, the laws of nature. It's the working of miracles. And, uh, and sometimes we'll say, hey, you know what? this miracle happened and, and, uh, and, and sometimes people will explain the situation. It's like, yeah, only God could do that, but God does that through people. God does that through people, all right? So we need each other. And then it says to another is prophecy. Now that's the sixth of the gifts of the Spirit I'm talking about today. Now what is prophecy? Prophecy is a, is a sudden uh, disclosure of, of an exhortation. And, and, and it's an exhortation of comfort that basically states what God desires to be stated. That's what the gift of prophecy is. Now, you're going to see later, the scriptures, if you read through uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, you will see that prophecy, he says, if, you're gonna, if you really want to desire any of them, you should really, that, that's the best one to get right there. He calls it the best. And so that, that is the best. That's, that's what I've prayed for, is that I would have the gift of prophecy. See, one of the things that happens here. And I, I tell you guys this, uh, but one of the things that I pray for is that God will use the words that I will say and he will custom design those words to speak to specific situations, specific instances that are happening out here in the congregation that I know nothing about. And, and I hear it week after week after week after week. Someone will say, that message is exactly for me because here's what I was going through and then you said this or you said this little line or you said that little line and then bam, I, I knew that God was speaking directly to me. Now that's the gift of prophecy. I, okay, go back to verse 10. Here's the next one. It says, to another is distinguishing between spirits. Now, we often call this the discerning of spirits. So that's the next in the list of uh, gifts of the spirit. I think that's what, the seventh here? The discerning of spirits. And so this is the ability to discern uh, what's happening in the spirit world. You can do, uh, detect like true sources of why people are doing certain things. You can just feel Sometimes you'll just, just feel the evil. That's a, that's a gift that I've asked God to give me. And, and, and I, there are times where I'm very, very clear. I know something evil is up and it's coming from this direction. I know what's going on. And I'll start praying for it. Uh, <clears throat> here's, a, here's a good example of it. I, uh, this happened way back. I think I've told you. This, I know I've told you this story before. But this happened way back near the beginning of the church. And there were just a few of us here. But I showed up here one Sunday morning. Long before anybody else was here. And I was walking up to the building. I saw this guy walking down the road walking this way, and it was about a block and a half away, and it was light outside, uh, just had just gotten light, and, um, 
And I just felt my, the Holy Spirit, I just felt it. Like, there, there's, a, there's a wrong spirit in that guy, and there's, not, there's something evil that, that's intended here. And so he started to cross the street to head over toward, uh, toward where I was. And I thought, well, I can go in the building and lock myself in, but well, no, that's just not going to deal with this. And so, so I, just, I just stood there. didn't say it loud enough for him to hear me, but I just said, in Jesus' name, get out of here. Go the other way. Not today. I'm not dealing with this. I don't ha- no, you're, I'm not dealing with this, Satan. I mean, that's really what I prayed. And then I just went in the building. Like, okay, I felt peace. So I felt like the spirit was dealt with because God gave me that, I had that gift of discerning of spirits. Well, um, about, about um, an hour and a half later, I went across the street to Walgreens. I love having Walgreens here. It is so nice to have Walgreens. I went over to Walgreens and I'd go over there and, and I, I start to walk in the door and I noticed that the guy had had a backpack and I noticed that backpack was laying out in front of the store. And so I thought, um, hmm, he's here. So I, I, I went into the store and I said, hey, uh, I know the cashier up front. I said, you know that, that backpack out front? Uh, that, I said, is that guy in here? And she said, well, he was. I said, what do you mean he was? He said, look over there at that gondola. She said, he came in here and started going crazy in a rage and tipping over shelves and gondolas and destroying stuff. The police had to come and they just took him away. I was like, well, thank you, Jesus, for the discerning of spirits. You see? See how God works? Yeah, that sounds kind of sensational and everything, but you know, it's, just, it's just like, okay, God, it's really pretty simple. Here, c- continue looking in, in, chapter, in verse number 10. To another is called speaking in different kinds of tongues. That we call speaking in tongues, all right? So the, 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 the eighth of the gifts of the Spirit is called tongues, and this is when you supernaturally speak in a language that you have never learned and you don't understand it. It's both. You don't understand it, you've never learned that's probably one of the most common ones. And a lot of people will make fun of it. I, you know, I just want to caution you. Don't ever make fun of speaking in tongues. That's just, you de- never make fun of any of the gifts of the Spirit. Just, I think that's actually dangerous. That's mocking God. Um, but, uh, but speaking in tongues is very real. And it's powerful. And then, the, then the, the, uh, the last one, it says still another, the interpretation of tongues. So that's the ninth. Interpretation of tongues is the ninth of the gifts of the Spirit. And this is where you meaningfully interpret what someone else has said in tongues. Now, I, I, if I were to get into a deep teaching on all of this, if you take speaking in tongues and connect it with interpretation of tongues, those two gifts together actually equal the gift of prophecy, all right? So, so Paul talks a lot about that in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, uh, explaining to people, you know, just ask for the gift of prophecy, okay? So, but but these, are, these are wonderful. Okay, now look at verse 11. It says, this is beautiful. All, all these are the work of the one and same spirit, and he distributes them to each one as he determines. So God determines it. Now, I know a minute ago you said, I thought we could ask for him. Yeah, you can. Watch <laughs> But God determines it. I'm going to decide what I'm going to give to whom. That's beautiful. So God's still in control. Now, so we should desire and we should ask for these because if you look down, and now go down to verse uh, number 31 in chapter 12, verse 31. So now Paul tells us, he says this, he says, now eagerly desire eagerly desire the greater gifts, the best gifts. Eagerly desire them. So I want you, church, to do what the Bible says. We're all about the Bible here. We're a Bible-based church. And so since we're a Bible-based church, I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to encourage you, eagerly desire the gifts. 
and eagerly desired the greater gifts. And then he says, and I'm going to show you even a more excellent way, because I'm going to show you how this works just, just in an amazing way. Then he goes into 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, that is what we often call the love chapter of the Bible, right? A lot of people, they'll read it at, at, uh, at, at uh, weddings, and, and love is patient, Love is kind. I mean, I'll read it at weddings too. It's not a wedding scripture. It's actually, it's a, it's, a, it's a whole chapter in the Bible that's about how gifts of the Spirit work. Yeah, but it's okay to read it at weddings. It's just fine. But, but, but I'm telling you, all of that talks about the context. Gifts of the Spirit need to work in an atmosphere of love. Now, when I was growing up, sometimes in my, my setting, I don't know if you, any of you have a hostile background, you would see gifts of the Spirit operating, but it sure wasn't an atmosphere of love. And, and, and it was like a little rough, a little bit on the edge, and I've experienced some of that. But the thing, we, we establish the atmosphere of love first, and then we say, okay, now let the gifts of the Spirit be released. And that's actually, you want to know my strategy with this church? It's that right there. I want to see this church be a loving church before it's a, a church with gifts of the Spirit in any old day. Why? Because if you don't have the foundation of love, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 13, is the spiritual gifts, they get annoying, and they're distracting, and, and, and they're actually repulsive. Whoa, okay, come on, I'm, I'm gonna teach you the word of God. I just wanna get it all out there, all right? All right, so, so 1 Corinthians 13 gives you the context. It needs to be in the foundation of love. Now, first, but then he moves right into the next one. Flip over to 1 Corinthians 14, verse one. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse one, now he goes back into it to talking about the gifts of the spirit again. He says, now, follow the way of love first. <laughs> and again, he says, eagerly desire gifts of the spirit eagerly desire them, and, and especially what? Prophecy. prophecy, especially prophecy. Now, look down at verse 26, because I want you to see the context. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It, it, it explains how it needs to be done, though. It says, everything must be done so that the church may be built up. So gifts of the Spirit have to operate, according to Paul, to the they, they need to operate in not only an atmosphere of love, but in a way that builds people up. Builds people up. And it builds up the church. It makes the church more solid and stronger, all right? And then in verse 40, come on, go a few verses down. 1 Corinthians 14, 40. I want you to look at this next verse. And then it says here, everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So, so, you know, we don't just do charismatic chaos either. Like, whoa, let's just all, you know, swing from the, the lights and that kind of stuff. And I, I've, I've always heard about that. I've never actually seen that happen. But don't swing from those. You're going to fall, okay? It's, it, you know, we, we're not going to do that, all right? So, so it just says it's to be done fitting in order. I think some of the, the, the bad names that the charismatics and apostles have had is because it's not done fitting in order. It's just a big circus. So I just don't want circuses. They, they're places to go for the circus. Circuses and in church, it should be done decently and fitting and in an orderly way. You guys understand this. So that's the beauty of what God wants for us. Now, here's my question to you. You've written down the nine gifts of the Spirit. Which one of those nine are you willing to ask God for? Because I believe if you begin to ask God for him and pray and ask and pray and ask, God will give it to you. Now again, he's gonna do it as he desires, but God does whatever he wants anyway, all right? But our prayers open up the door and make a difference. And I'm gonna challenge you to ask for gifts of the Spirit and receive, and know what you're asking for. Ask them, receive the gifts of the Spirit, but then you've gotta use them. If you, if you don't use the gifts of the Spirit, then they're, they're of no purpose. And, and what happens is when we get together 
But when the church comes together, it causes an explosion of God's presence among us, and these gifts of the Spirit will initiate changes in the trajectory of people's lives, and literally in the destinies of people's lives because of how God works in their life through the gifts of the Spirit. Therefore, we don't need Jesus here with us. Jesus is in heaven. We worship Jesus. We sing to Jesus. Jesus is, we're all about Jesus, okay? But the Holy Spirit lives in us, dwells in us, and that Spirit gives us gifts of the Spirit so that we can function as a body, and then, and then miracles happen. People's lives are changed. Destinies are altered in this room when the gifts of the Spirit are working. I just kind of get excited about that. And it happens when the body of Christ comes together primarily. Um, Tonight, the pastors and the elders and I, uh, you know, we've, many of us, we've, I mean, we've been praying, some have been fasting and believing God for miracles and healing and deliverance for you, and utilizing and using gifts of the Spirit. I just want to pray that, that that happens. I've been praying for that to happen. So that's the beauty of what God does for us. So every one of you guys get to be a minister here. Is that not amazing? Yeah, that's really cool. You don't have to wear, you, you don't have to go to college. I had to go to college, you know, but <laughs> you don't have to. All you gotta do is ask for the gifts. Now, that's one side of it, but then there's the other side of it is then how do people get access to those gifts? How do people, uh, I mean, how do those gifts get used in your lives? Because the truth is, is typically you need to be in a receptive position. So I wanna talk about that other side, the flip side of it. Um, I just, uh, to, to explain this, you gotta kind of understand me. I am a, I, I would say I'm a very typical man, you know, when it comes to the male species. <laughs> I, I, I have a lot of the male defaults, and those things tend to annoy ladies. I'm sorry, Rebecca, but I'm just going to get it out. <laughs> One of those is my male, um, headstrong, determined, determined for no good reason attitude sometimes. <sighs> God, why'd you do this to me? And, and part of that is I don't like to ask for help. I can do it. I can figure it out. I don't need your help. The boys have this infamous line of me when it was uh, several years ago when we were out, uh, out on an island and we had kayaks out there and my kayak flipped over because we were in a tropical storm and the waves are coming after us and, and they were coming out to help me. And I said, don't help me. <laughs> they laugh at me to this day because I'm, I don't need help. I mean, if I'm driving somewhere, my GPS quits working, I'm not going to ask for help. I'm not going to ask for directions. I mean, come on, I can figure it out. I don't need help. And it doesn't matter whether I'm alone or with Rebecca. If it's with Rebecca, it's going to get tense, but it's just the way it is. And, 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 and I've reasoned through this, and, and my reason is I, I don't do this because I think I'm awesome. That, that's, that's not it. It's because I'm a dude, and God made us that way. And all the men in the room, I mean, you, you kind of get this, right? All right, I'm kind of stuck, and you are too, so ladies, bear with us. But this has plagued me all my life. And then when I finally do break down and ask someone for help, (laughs) it's true, I'll only ask once. (laughs) I just asked for help one time. That's it, that's it. So a lot of you know, or some of you know this, I'm horrible at fixing things, horrible at fixing things. And, and, and this, you know, most men are pretty good at it, but some just aren't. Like I, I heard, Jordan, you, you spent like the whole day yesterday building a dresser from Ikea, and I told your lovely wife, I said, I hate Ikea. I hate it. They try to make it look happy and fun and easy, but it's death, you know, so. 
But I'm bad at fixing things. I am not good at making repairs. My attempt to repair broken stuff makes it worse most of the time. And isn't that correct, wife? Wonderful wife. Yeah. Yes, see, my son wanted me to come over and fix the crib. It's like, okay, this is going to be a disaster. And sure enough, I'm putting it all together backwards. She has to undo all my work. All right, but, but that, was, and that was just this week. So my, uh, my first tiny little house is a nice little tiny house. I was, was the only house I've ever had that has had this particular luxury in it, and that's an underground sprinkler system. You know, that's where it gives you green grass during the Texas summers, waters your foundation all with the flip of a switch and the set of a a timer. How nice is that? But when I moved into the house, it was a little rough, and uh, it had some broken heads. So please understand, I wasn't smart enough to fix them, and I finally acquiesced to Rebecca's insistence that I ask someone to come out and show me what to do. So I talked to a guy in the church who had a landscaping business. I mean... (laughs) Well, he would be the smartest one. So he came by. Oh, sir, Pastor Tim, I'll be glad to come on by. So he came on by, and, and uh, he went out in the yard. And said, well, here's, here's one of my messed up sprinklers. Well, I said, I bought this sprinkler head, but I don't know what to Well, let me show you how to do it. You just do this. Go see how easy that is? Okay, you just do it to all the rest. It's that easy. All right, bye. He smiled. Five minutes in and out and just left me standing there. And that was my one ask. And I'll tell you guys, I tried. And... uh I tried getting to the next one, and I broke the pipe in the process. So then I thought, well, I don't know what to do now because I'm not asking him again. So I, I went to Home Depot to figure out what to do and to read a diagram. This is before YouTube, before the Internet. You had to go to the store and look at a diagram. And, 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 I, and I bought all these supplies for fixing these pipes in your yard, and I went home and I tried to fix it. And this is, I'm, there's, there's zero exaggeration here. Rebecca, you're witness to this. Before the children were around, I broke the pipe again and again and again. No kidding. I literally spent every Jordan, I spent every day off. I get one day off a week. I spent every day off for a solid month in the yard trying to fix my, my broken pipes. And, and it was hard, man. They kept breaking and it kept leaking and it just kept more, more joints had to be repaired and fixed and it looked horrible. And, and then Rebecca says, well, why don't you ask that guy to come back and help you again? I'm sure he would. It's like, no, I can't. And that would, you know, I would rather make my problem worse and I would increase my stress than admit that I had a problem and needed help. That's what I'm getting at here. A lot of us, you're, you're like this. You have a problem, but you have pride. You don't want anyone to know you have a problem. So what do you do? You don't ask for prayer. That's the real deal. You don't want to ask for help. That's asking for help. And that's the way the body of Christ is supposed to function. So we work ourselves into a frenzy over our problems, and sometimes your problems end up crushing you. Hey, guys, understand this. All of us have issues. We all need help. I want to remind you of something important around here. (laughs) This is a little saying we've said around here for years. it's, It's this right here. It's okay to not be okay. But it's not okay to stay that way. In other words, ask for help. Start, start, start moving out. Start digging out. James, this is the oldest book in the New Testament. James is the oldest book. And it was written by Jesus' own brother. Can you imagine that? Jesus' brother wrote a book of the Bible. I mean, that's actually proof that the Bible is real. Because James wrote a book about his brother. You know? I mean, how many of you who have brothers would actually write a book about you revealing that, yes, he is the son of God? No. <laughs> They'll probably write a book saying you're the son of Satan or something like that. <laughs> my, uh, my, my brother's still trying to tell me I'm adopted and you know, just everything else. 
I don't know, you know. Well, James, so that's proof of the Bible is real. James wrote about his brother being the son of God. So James believed. He had seen the risen Jesus. And so he wrote this book, which is actually a letter, but it's jam-packed of really, really good, important stuff. It's one of my favorite books in the New Testament. And in James chapter 5, verse 14, where I asked you to turn earlier, there, there's a little passage of scripture that I want you to dig into with me. And here it is. James 5.14, look it up. I'm in the NIV, New International Version. It says, is anyone among you sick? So he's talking to a congregation. So he wrote this letter to a congregation and the pastor would have read this letter like a sermon to the church, okay? So he says, is any among you sick? Let them call on, in other words, ask, call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. In the other words, in the name of Jesus. Now, we do this. This is, this is part of our tradition. We believe that God is our healer. On Sunday mornings, you guys know, it's at a certain time, we, we, have, we have our prayer team come up to the front. Most of them are our elders, and, and, and they, people come up, and we, we want you to receive prayer. I just just don't, don't, don't let pride keep you back from that. But, uh, and so we believe in that. We do that. We say if there's any need, just come and receive prayer. Just keep it wide open. But a lot of times we, we kind of isolate it and thinking, well, it has to do with some kind of like a physical sickness. Uh, we look at what James says right there. Was any one of you sick? Okay. We think, well, that means if I have cold, if I have flu or cancer or hospitalization, or come pray for me at the hospital or, or a, a headache. But I want to tell you guys, there's also more to sickness than this. And, uh, and I, I think it was amazing. Uh, Elizabeth, I don't know where you are. But I think you're over here somewhere. But, but Elizabeth, I mean, you, you, were, you were speaking prophetically earlier about, about not just physical sickness issues, but other sickness issues that are emotional and are mental. And you know what? I was just like, wow, thank God, because that's actually my sermon. See, you didn't know that. That's how the gifts of the Spirit work, you see? Because there comes a confirmation because she didn't pry into my notes. In fact, nobody's seen my notes for this, day, this, this sermon right here, okay? So there's also emotional sickness, and, there's, and sometimes physical sickness and emotional sicknesses work together. Uh, and so, so, you know, and, and I'm talking about things like worry, because worry... If it's, if it's not dealt with, you know, you can come pray and say, I'm just, I worry just all over me. Pray for that because worry then leads to anxiety. Yeah, it does, it does. And then anxiety, if it's not dealt with, then it leads to depression. And depression, if it's not dealt with, it, it, it leads to suicidal thoughts. Let's be honest. Suicidal thoughts, if they're not dealt with, it leads to suicide. This is a continuum. Not everyone goes that far, but I'm telling you guys, I have dealt with suicide in my own family, and I know how real this is now. Preached about it for years, but I've experienced it this year myself. I've seen the reality of this. To be bold and to get prayer. Now concerning all types of sicknesses and, and illnesses, and whether it's mental, emotional, physical, I want us to read this again. James chapter five, verse 14, look at it. Now I want you to think in the light of all those things. Is any among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Now that's, that's what we're supposed to do. It says anoint with oil. Now, okay, well, wh- what's that? And that, that may be a different tradition for you, and, and I understand that. If those of you who are Catholic, go, well, that's kind of like the holy water. Well, actually, no, but, but uh, I, I don't even understand the holy water, but, uh, you know, it's, that, I think it's really, 
It's, it's, it's different, but I, <laughs> I, I'm not saying it's bad, though, I, because I, I know that stuff works, so I don't know what they do. But, but, uh, but we, we follow the scriptures, and the scripture talks about, um, about anointing with oil. And so, I, I, you know, most of the time I have a vial of oil with me, and I keep one in my car, one on my desk. A lot of times it's one in my pocket, trying to make sure it doesn't leak, <laughs> because I want to be ready to pray for people and anoint them with oil. But you have to ask. That's what it says there. In fact, I want to talk to you about the symbolism of oil. We see actually the symbolism of oil is a lot, found a lot in the Old Testament. Uh, the principles of, of, the, of anointing with oil still exist today. Um, but, uh, but oil represents, it represents the spirit of God, okay? But it manifests differently according to the need. And there are three primary areas that we find in the scriptures. Again, I'm a Bible-based person. So you might say, well, I can think of a lot of others and you might be able to think of them, but if they're not in the Bible, so I'm not gonna preach about them, okay? Here's one, is if a person needs to be commissioned to an office or a position. So what happens is they would be anointed with oil. So oil representing God would be symbolically placed on them and then they would be anointed. And then, like in the Old Testament, that would be a king or a prophet or a leader or a priest. Today, we practice that like for pastors or ministers or elders. That is, it's a commissioning. It's basically saying this. It's commissioning saying that I recognize that I need God's spirit on me and in me because I really can't do this on my own. That's what it is. So it's a commissioning to an office where you need God. Okay, there's a second use for oil, and anointing with oil, um, but, but here, I want you to understand this. The anointing oil itself holds no power, okay? So, so if, if you want to come and steal one of these uh, vials of oil and take it home, like, woo, I got the power with me. It's like, okay, no, you don't. You just have, <laughs> just go to, go, go to Target and get your own oil. You know, it's just like, it's, it's not special. Like, like when we order oil, I was telling Colby, he's like, man, we ran out of anointing oil. We need some new, new oil. It's like, well, what kind? Well, I don't, it doesn't have to be like oil from the olive tree that Jesus looked at in Jerusalem that has frankincense and myrrh and gold dust in it. I, I, it no, it's just, just oil, okay? So if you like smelly oils, that's fine with you. you. That's a whole other subject. But the symbolism, the symbolism behind it is that God's spirit is symbolically here, and it connects the spiritual world with the physical world. That's what it is. Another example of, of the use of it, so the second example, is an object or a place that is to be anointed with oil. Uh, that's symbolically um, setting it aside that's, that's, or, or cleansing it for sacred purposes to anoint something. Uh, in the Old Testament, it was used like on objects in temple worship so that they, they were anointed, they were set apart, they were cleansed. Today, we will, we will anoint with oil like in a home, uh, maybe a new home or, or equipment or something that you get. We, you just anoint it with oil. It's like this is set aside for God, <laughs> okay? And, and, and that's, and that's a, like a spiritual cleansing of it and it's powerful. But again, the oil itself holds no what? Power. The symbolism of God's spirit behind it connects the spiritual with the physical. That's why we do the oil. Now the third example, which we're really talking about today, is how it's used in this passage. Because a person is sick and needs healing. So the spirit of God is symbolically placed on that person so they are anointed. Now, in the Old Testament, um, 
this is not mentioned about oil for healing. It's the only two, the other two categories. But in the New Testament, it is mentioned where Jesus sent out his followers and he sent them out and he said, go and, and, and anoint sick people with oil and pray in the name of Jesus and, and they'll be healed. And, and just like the passage that we read here in James, where, he, where James is saying, leaders in the church, you are to anoint with oil for sick people when they request prayer when they request prayer. So you're not gonna see elders in this church running around with, with buckets of oil, like throwing it on people, like anybody sick, hey, 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 you know, sorry, if you start doing that, that that's not gonna work. But, but it's just asking for oil. All right, just saying, hey, will you anoint me with oil? So again, but the oil itself holds no what? Power. The symbolism of God's spirit behind it connects the spiritual and the natural world. So here's really how, how we practice this here. For receiving prayer, you, you just go to a designated person for prayer. And here in a few minutes, we're gonna open it up for prayer, for whatever. Just open it up for prayer. You go to the designated for prayer, person for prayer and you ask for prayer. And, and then you ask to be anointed with oil. And uh, or sometimes, the, you know, the who's praying will say, can I, anoint, can I anoint you with oil? Because we're not gonna anoint you with oil unless you want it. Is that, is that cool? All right, so say, hey, would you like to be anointed with oil? And say, no, no. Say, okay, that's all right. Your loss, not mine. But, uh, but really, we're not going to do that. We're going to respect you. You understand? Because everything should be done decently and in order. So if you ask to be anointed with oil or you request it, yeah. So then regarding depression, anxiety, the flu, cancer, It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to just sit there and stay that way. That's why we say go to counseling, go to a doctor, take medicine, but also do not abandon the supernatural power of God of being anointed with oil by the leaders in the church. In the same light, you're not to abandon what your doctor is telling you to do. You don't abandon your medicine the doctor's giving you, all right? So you do both. There, there have been some foolish things that have happened with this in the years. It's like, well, I'm just not going to do anything with doctors. And like, okay, well, that's just not very smart. Because that, that's just, that's really not in the scriptures. Now, um, that, that's just, that's a little, that's a little weird. I, I've heard of some people getting miracles that way. It's like, great, great, wonderful. But you, but you don't abandon the, 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 the physician. You don't abandon the medicine. You don't have to abandon your, your if you're, you're on some kind of a, a, a psychiatric medicine, you don't abandon that but you receive healing, you receive prayer, you receive that, and you just keep coming back. You just keep coming back until you're here, just like you keep going back to your doctor until you're better. You get that? Because we serve the great physician. Why not engage the supernatural power of God? Stick with it, even if it takes years. James 5, 15, look at, look at verse 15. Let's get this wrapped up. It says, and the prayer offered in faith. So whoever's praying needs to be praying with faith. And you on the other end, the receiving end, you be praying in faith. It will make the sick person well. I'm sorry, but that's the Bible. That's right there. And it says, the Lord will raise him up. It's not the person who's praying for you that raises you up. It's not the that raises you up, the Lord God raises you up. And if they've sinned, they'll be forgiven. I mean, if, if you're sick, and whether you're sick with your liver or your, your brain, I mean, you just come forward, you receive prayer and be anointed with oil, get that prayer of faith from somebody else and the sick person will be made well. Yes. How quickly? Well, occasionally, rarely, it's instantaneously. Yes, I've seen that. I have seen that. I've experienced that. Um. But the vast majority of the time, it's a process of healing. It doesn't necessarily happen right at that moment. 
But the scripture says the Lord will raise him up. Therefore, you can go back to this scripture. You have it in your Bibles now. You have it marked. You can go back to this and say, well, you know what? I'm receiving prayer, and it says the Lord will raise me up, and I stand by that. And you just keep getting prayer all the time. I would love it, because we, we almost had some, some fights up here. This, now, it wasn't real fights, but people, people were trying to come up and get prayer. And it's like, well, I want to get prayer. No, I want to get prayer. I want to get prayer. And I just I start saying, hey, y'all stop fighting right now, all right? You go down there. I see someone down there who can pray for you. This is kind of fun. But, you know, I would rather there be a little scuffles for people getting prayer than, than just to see a bunch of people offering prayer, but nobody wants to receive supernatural power. You guys catching this? This is powerful. The Lord will raise them up. Oh, beautiful. James 5.16, it says, Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. And part of that is being vulnerable with your life. You need to have other people in your life, even elders and stuff, to say, hey, man, I'm struggling. You don't have to give people all kinds of gross details, but it's okay. Confess your sins to each other. We're not going to set up a confessional booth, all right? Those of you who are Catholics started getting very excited right now. It's like, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to sit on the other side of that, no. Uh, but confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you will be healed. <laughs> this is the prayer of a righteous person is powerful, yeah and effective, powerful and effective. I want powerful and effective in my life. Back in the early days of City Life, as a wrap up today, you guys come on up here uh, to the platform. But back in the early days, I, I, I discovered the Starbucks gold card. That was when it was a real card and not, and not the app, okay? I love my Starbucks gold card because I could dash into Starbucks, get my coffee. Well, one day, I had, when, this was in the early days, and, and I was running a business in Waxahachie, and I had to drive out here for a meeting, and so it was about a little over an hour drive, and I had a migraine, and it was killing me. And so I remembered I had the Starbucks gold card, and so I went over to Starbucks, and no kidding, this really happened, drove through the drive-thru in Midlothian, and I, I told them what I wanted, and I said, I want, I want a total of six shots in coffee. Now, I'm not recommending you do that, but I knew I needed something to knock this headache out, because I, I couldn't even keep my eyes open. It was painful. Uh, I had to get out here and keep things going for the church, and so, you know, there I'm doing it, and, and I had meetings for about four hours out here that night, came out here, and I, man, I did my meetings, and I, everything went great, got back. I went back, drove all the way back to where I lived in DeSoto, and that's over way on the other side, that's Dallas County, scary, all right, and, and, and I, I was over there in, in DeSoto, and, and, uh, and, and I drove home, and I sang all the way home, I sang every praise and worship song I knew to God, you know, and I was singing, and I got home, and, and there I was, wide, I, was I remember I got home at midnight, and there I was, wide awake, hello, Rebecca, well, she's asleep, Okay, well, thank God for the laptop. So I sit there and pounded out some sermons, you know. Finally, at 4 a.m., I started going to sleep. Unfortunately, I had to get up at 5 to go to the office. That's, that's a whole other story. But the point of this is I needed something powerful, and I needed something effective. So I ordered that six-shot coffee. <laughs> powerful and effective. Powerful and effective. Powerful and effective powerful and effective. When we do these things, the scriptures tell us it's powerful and effective. I want people who pray for me to be powerful and effective. I do. I do. I don't want to be like, well, I don't know. Let me think about praying for you. Well, if you're going to think about praying for me, then I'm going to go somewhere else. You know? I, I, I want somebody who's 
Don't pray with me powerful and effective ways. And that's the methods that I've told you. It's utilizing the gifts of the Spirit. This is beautiful. So if you have an ailment and you're sick and you're not functioning at 100%, you're dealing with anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts, it's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay just to sit back and stay that way. And this church will always be a place where it's okay to not be okay because the gifts of the Spirit are in operation here and because it's all functioning in an atmosphere of love, then God can work miracles, and I believe he wants to do that tonight. I believe he wants to do that tonight. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, Head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.